Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. I'm Patrick Bedivy, host of Vitamin. And today we're going to talk about the different types of parenting. Yes, I got three kids. I don't know if you got kids. What kind of a parent are you? And how were you parented? We'll talk about 15 types of parenting and what your next five moves ought to be as a parent. All right, so let's get right into it. 15 types of parenting. The first type of parenting is helicopter parents. You've heard this before. These are parents that are over, overprotected. I remember back in the days when we used to go to the park, my dad would tell my mom, you can't go to the park with us because when I would fall, my mom would be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's going on? What happened to you? My dad would flip out. He's like, just woman, get out of here. You're softening up your kid. Stop it. And he said, we are no longer taking mom to the park. So that's the helicopter parent. They're all over. They panic when the smallest thing happens. Number two is bulldozer parents. Bulldozer parents are those that take all the problems away from you. No, no, no. I got it. No, 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 no. I got it. Something happens in school. They call the teacher and they blame everything on the teacher. No, 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 no. I got it. They're going to try to solve every single one of your problems all the time. They're bulldozing all over you. And typically what happens with kids like this, they become very timid and they don't know how to solve their own problems because their parents have been solving their problems their entire lives. Number three is dictate which is my way or the highway. You either do what I'm telling you or no. I pay the bills here. I do this. You better do what I tell you to do. That's a dictator parent number four. So your perfect uh, parent, which is, oh my gosh, my son would never do anything wrong. My son, he's perfect. My daughter would never. Do you, you might, they never do anything wrong. Like this kid is like growing up thinking he or she is perfect and walking on water. What happens later on is they realize they're not perfect and they can, they're so scared of failing because the entire lives their parents told them you're so perfect. Number five is passive. They try to discipline you, but you ran all over them, which means, no, honey, don't do that. I told you don't do that. Oh, mom, be quiet. Okay, I keep trying to tell him what to do. He never listens. You're like, oh, mom, you're so weak. My dad, I can run all over you. You're so easy to get whatever I want. That's the passive parent. Number six is military. Chop, chop. You woke up in the morning. You have to make your bed perfectly. And you have to have your shoes in a perfect place. And you have to say yes, sir, to your dad. And one of those things, that's the military parent. Number seven is a negative, highly, highly critical. Everything you did wrong, they were negative with you. Just constantly critical. Some of these have to do with cultures that are raised that way. Number eight is religious. Very faith-based. Any kind of fears that are passed down in the religion side is passed down to you. And you know what those fears are. So you live with those fears. Number nine is imposed. And by the way, on the other side with faith base is also right values and principles being passed down, which gives a lot of confidence. So it can be both. You can have the negative and the positive. Number nine is imposer. Imposer is somebody that's imposing their dreams on you. They didn't make it in the basketball. They want to make sure you do. They didn't make it in the movies. They want to make sure that you do. But it's not your dreams, but they're imposing it on you rather than trying to find out what are your dreams. Next one is the over uh, one uh, parent household, which the mom has to play the role of the mom and the dad, or the dad has to play the role of the dad and the mom. And it's complicated because you don't know if one minute you're talking to your dad, trying to be a dad, or you're talking to your dad, trying to be a mom, or you don't know if you're talking to your mom, trying to be a mom or mom, trying to be a dad. And it's very confusing. And they're trying to do their best. You have the uh, uninvolved parent, which, you know, they don't really care what you do. Mom, uh, I'll be home uh, late tonight. Okay, baby, I'll see you tonight. That's it? Yeah, okay, I'll see you tonight, baby. Okay, have fun. 
but dad, I'm going to be, I'm going to go out and I'm going to uh, go with the kids to the park. Okay. All right, cool. We'll see you. Dad, I'll be, uh, I, I don't know what time I'm going to be back home. I'm going to go to Jimmy's. Okay. Uh, have fun. Tell us that I said hello. And that's it. Like there's not involved, not interest, little too trusting in the things you're doing without a lot of paranoia. Nexus absent. He wasn't there. You didn't have a father figure. The guy wasn't in the picture and he had a left a massive scar or she wasn't in the picture and that kind of hurt you. Number 13 is abuse of alcohol, physical drugs, sexual abuse or words, which sometimes words are worse than other types of abuse because those really stay with you and they, they raise you with a lot of fear. Number 14 is victim mentality. Parents, they constantly blamed everybody. They blamed you. They blamed your mom. They blamed your dad, they blamed your sibling, they blamed their parents, they blamed the economy, they blamed the press. Everything was blame, blame, blame. And number 15 is structured and encouraging independent thinking, which is kind of like, hey, here's what we do on this day, here's what we do on that day. Hey, what would you do? What do you think about this? What are your thoughts on this? How would you handle this? That person hit you in the face. Why did they hit you in the face? Why did the teacher say this to you? And then there's an element of team. Everybody pulls their own weight. You know, you wash the dishes, you put them away, you help with cooking, you help with shopping, you help with the backyard, you help with this. There's something that you need to do. It's discipline, it's expectation, type of an environment. Now, here's the thing while you're watching this, you may be saying, my mom is this style, my dad is this style. And by the way, I'd be curious to know what style you are if you're a parent common blow. I'd be curious to know what your parents were as a style common blow. But you're kind of looking at this and in your mind, you're automatically going, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's me. That's my husband, that's my wife, no matter, you're going to a place, right? Okay, fine, now, let's go to the next part. The next part is three questions I want you to ask about your parents. How did parents you? What did you love about the way your parents parented you? What did you love about it? What did they do? Were they loving? Were they caring? Were they your friend? Were they playful? Were they your best friend from you being a kid? What is it that they did that you loved about them? The second thing is, what did you hate about the way they parented you? Were they a little too tough on you? Did they push you too hard? Did they challenge you? What was it? Were they not around? What was it that you hated about the way your parents parented you? And the last question is a technical one. What did you love about the way they parented you that hurt you? And what did you hate about the way your parents, parents parented you that ended up helping you? Let me ask that question one more time. Sometimes we love certain ways. Oh my gosh, my dad's my best friend. We drink together. It's so awesome, right? But he's not parenting. Maybe you loved it, but that hurts you. Oh, I love my mom. We used to go to clubs together. Used to go to clubs together with you. Oh yeah, we go partying all the time together and we go get drunk. My mom's my best friend. I mean, maybe you love that, but was that good for you? Oh, my dad, man, let me tell you, man, he had me waking up every morning. We had to go for a walk and clean this. I was so annoyed. He's the most annoying person in the world. Did that help you? How's your current work ethic right now? How are you doing in life right now? So it's very important before we blame our parents to kind of see what you hated that ended up being good and what you loved that ended up being bad. Very, very important. Why is that? Here's why. Because no matter what the parenting is, style is, and no matter what your parents did to raise you, there's two things you got to keep in mind. There are things you are born with. There's things you and I are born with and your kids are born with. Your DNA, which is your wiring, your personality, it's yours. Your physical features, your tall, your short, your big bone, your small bone, your face, the way you look, your eyes, your legs, your feet, 
Your physical features, it's what you're born with, and your talents. There's some talents that you have. Parents' job is to try to figure out a way to work with this and make the best out of it, right? Because, But this is yours, the kids. Now, here's a taught, what can be taught. Mindset, attitude, skills, association, values, and principles, and habits. So now, this takes me to this over here. Many times when you think about parenting, you hear a lot of people say, well, dude, my, my style is, I'm going to be friends with my kids. I'm going to be my friend's best friend is what I'm going to do. The best illustration of this concept that I can make to you is the following here, okay? This is the best way to describe it to you. When a baby is born, it's way more important for you to be 100% their parent than their best friend. Because that newborn baby is hoping you know how to change diapers. That newborn baby is hoping you can feed them, nurse them, help them, clean them, get them to sleep, take care of them, make sure they're healthy, make sure they have shelter, make sure they're warm. They don't care if you're their best friend or not. The kid doesn't care if you're their best friend or not. They only have one thing in mind. They're hoping you know how to parent them 100%. Not different. Like you don't say, hey, baby, how was your day today? You don't do that with a baby, right? Because it's a baby. Now, as they age, as they age, you eventually become less of a parent. And the goal is to eventually become a friend for life. And by the way, long term, many times, your kids end up becoming your parents. And many times you... Maybe right now, 48 years old, watching this saying, dude, I feel like I'm my parents' parent today. Yes, it's a cyclical cycle that sometimes happens. You take care of your parents, you take them to the hospital, you're doing that stuff. That turns around a little bit, right? But come back here. The biggest factor here when I put age, this is parenting when we're born, this is friend, okay? What age do you want to be the, equal, the, the, the middle side, which means you're still parenting them, but you're still their friend? Is it 25, 30, 35, 40? What is it? Some people do it way too early. Some people do it way too late. You know, I was talking to Ric Flair a couple years ago at his place in Atlanta. And I said, so tell me about, you know, your experience with your son. Because his documentary is about his son. It's very difficult. His son was a wrestler. Eventually ended up uh, uh, dying at a young age, I think 24, 25. And when he was choked up and being willing to be transparent about this, he said, the mistake I made is I tried to be my son's friend, not his father. My son needed a father, not a friend. It was so powerful when he said this because you're watching this saying, he says, man, I'd go drinking with this guy. I'd go taking places with me. He said, I should have never done that. This kid needed a father. This kid needed a friend. So this will be a challenge you will have as a parent to decide when you're going to go through the transition mode with them. And it varies for everybody. But let me give you the five things here to be thinking about your next five moves as a parent. Number one thing you got to make a decision is, Identify your style of parenting. Which one's going to be you? What's your style? Okay? You got to make a decision. What's your style? And by the way, many times you saw your friend's dad or you saw your friend's mom. You're like, man, I like the way she parents. I like the way he parents. I like the way my dad parented this. I like the way my mom parented this. What my mom did with this, I used to hate it when I was 13. But I love now what my dad parented. I used to hate that. But man, that really helped me out a lot today. What is going to be your style of parenting? That's the first thing you got to identify. Number two, what values and principles do you want to pass down to your kids? What are they? I have my own list of things that I want to pass down to them. What are yours? What things do you want to pass down to your kids that you want them to pick up from? For example, I'll give you some of mine. One of mine is uh, negotiation. Everything to me in my household is about negotiating. So they'll come and say, Dad, I, I, I want to be able to get this. Tell me why you deserve it. Well, let me tell you why. Because do you remember last week what I did? And I did this and I did that and I did this. And you said to do this and I did this. And you didn't tell me to do this, but I still went and did this. You're right. You win. Good point. I'll get this for you, right? That's a negotiation thing. The other thing is delayed gratification in my household. I want them to know. 
I buy a toy for them, they don't get to open it for nine months, but they get to look at it. It creates delayed gratification, which is kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to open up that toy. Like right now, my son, we went and bought a nice uh, uh, Lego set that he wanted, and we got a Percy Jackson series, five books, okay? He's never read book books like that. He's read a couple hundred books, but never 200 page books. And he says, Dad, if I finish this Percy Jackson series, can I open up that Lego? I said, absolutely. He just finished the third one. There's two more left for him to wrap up, the eight-year-old kid, right? He's got two more to wrap up to open up the Lego. He can't wait to finish up the two books. And you know what he's doing right now with me? All he's talking about is the book, the story. Here's what's going on. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? So, so delayed gratification, negotiation, earning. These are some of the things that we do in our family, but I, can, I have more others. Those are just some of the ones I'm giving you. Number three. What kind of routine, structure, creativity, and fun can you create at different stages? What does it mean? A routine that you had for your six-year-old kid cannot be as effective as a 10-year-old kid, won't be as effective as a 14-year-old kid, and will not be effective as a 17-year-old kid that may be an athlete that's a student athlete. It has to be a different routine, but you always got to have some of these things in place. So routine, structure, creativity, and fun. For example, during the pandemic, when the kids started coming with me, one of the things we set up on a daily basis was the following. Every day, the kids were required to make 52 shots. Every day, shots made, baskets made, not shot, made. Then outside of that, required to read 20 pages every day of a book, required to read an hour documentary and 25 laps in the pool in our house. Now that's for me. You may say, Pat, I wish I had a pool. I'm not telling you to do what I do. I'm just telling you that's my routine that I pass on to my kids. You know what happened by the time the pandemic was on, they could go back to school? My kids were in shape. Their energy was high. They were confident. They were well-read. They could talk about different topics, philosophy, Socrates, Einstein, stuff that people, what are you talking about? How do these, do these guys know this kind of stuff? Because they've been reading. They've been watching documentaries. They've been getting their mindset. They've in shape and then we've had a ton of fun together as well at the same time number four what's the currency in your house for them to get what they want this is very important let me say this again what is the currency in your house to get what they want meaning if you say you have to respect you got to respect people you got to respect people oh good job you respect the people here's a cookie you gotta love you gotta love you gotta clean your bed you gotta clean your bed good job you clean your bed two months in a row here's five dollars you gotta go do this in my household my number one currency is reading books that's my currency what's your currency so if you want to come and negotiate with me in my house as a kid your currency is reading you come to me and say dad i read 80 pages today you read how many pages today 80 pages today Wow, it's a Sunday. Can I uh, go uh, 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 watch a movie? Yeah, sure, absolutely. You read 80 pages today. Your typical homework is not 80 pages. It's 20 pages. You want 80 pages? Yeah. Let me ask some questions on the pages you read. Yeah, I learned this. I learned that. I learned this. I oh, phenomenal job. But the currency is books. The currency is reading. Some households, the currency changes all the time, so it's not clear for kids. If you and I want to go shopping, what is the currency in the U.S.? It's the dollar. It's always been the dollar. It's staying the dollar. Your household, the currency has to be a currency that's clear. For some, it's grades. For me, it's not grades. For me, it's reading books more than it is grades because reading books is forever. Grades is eventually going to stop once they're done going to high school and college. But reading books is permanent and that lasts when they're 48 years old. If they get the bug of reading, it's game over for them, right? So for me, it's four. You got to make a decision what your currency is. Last but not least, number five is who and how can you leverage other people to help with the development process of your kids? Who? Teachers, coaches, mentors, 
advisors, a friend that you have that runs a business that you can have your kid go around them? What is it? Who and how can you leverage other people? These are five things I think about when it comes down to parenting. These are five moves you can be thinking about when it comes down to parenting. And move number two, move number two, I believe is the most important skill set to teach your kids. Move number two, if you work with me, any one of my kids, any one of my employees that have ever worked with me here, there's one thing they all get very good at is processing issues and negotiating. Why? Because we emphasize this so much. The whole culture here is about processing issues and negotiating. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.